Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 12, another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway. Thank you for listening and taking the time out of your day or night, whatever time you're listening, to hear what I have to say. And uh, luckily for you, for on this episode, it's not as much about me and uh, and what what's going on. And I'm going to give my thoughts and opinions. But this episode is an interview with Brian Passink, and so you are in for a treat as Brian shares his thoughts on the Final Four that happened this past weekend and also the state of Alabama basketball with the new hiring of Coach Nate Oates. Brian Passink is a former Alabama men's basketball player himself, uh, played in the 90s under Coach Wimp Sanderson, and now he joins the Galloway Podcast to give some expertise on his thoughts on the Final Four and also Coach Nate Oates and what the future of Alabama basketball is going to look like. So let's get down to it. Here's Brian Passink in an interview on the Galloway Podcast. So joining the Galloway Podcast now is Alabama basketball color analyst on the radio, Brian Passink. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Passink. That's P-A-S-S-I-N-K. Brian, how you doing? Doing great, William. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a great weekend of uh, college basketball, and it's sad to see the season is now officially over, but we move on to the Masters later this week and the uh, NBA playoffs, and so that's always an exciting time as well. It is. My wife asked me last night after the game, what are you going to do with yourself? Because I'm so consumed, like so many, uh, from really October when practice starts to last night uh, with college basketball. Uh, and, of course, things get ramped up in March Madness. So uh, a great tournament. The NCAA tournament never disappoints. But always a part of me, a little sad once uh, one shining moment goes off the air that college basketball season is over. So uh, start looking towards next year. Excited about the future for Alabama and the SEC. But, uh, but there's a lot to do between now and then. Yeah, the offseason is going to feature a lot. There's been a lot of coaching changes. We'll talk about that, especially with Alabama hiring coach Nate Oates, as we briefly mentioned with Gray Robertson on the last episode of the Galloway podcast. But for now, we'll start with the Final Four, and we'll discuss kind of what you and I saw in the Final Four, and then we'll move into Alabama basketball. Um, Brian, we'll start with the Auburn-Virginia game this past Saturday. That was the first game of two in the Final Four. What really stood out to you as uh, Virginia – I guess you could say escaped Auburn and was able to get to the championship game where they ultimately were uh, successful in defeating Texas Tech. But what really stood out to you in that Auburn-Virginia game uh, as you kind of broke that down and watched it on Saturday evening? Well, it was a championship-level game, uh, obviously, with what happened uh, with Virginia uh, Monday night. They proved to be a championship team. Uh, But that was high level in every aspect. I I thought – Uh, When Virginia got up 10 with about five minutes to play, that it was going to be near impossible to come back with the style of play of Virginia, the way they defend, uh, the pace in which they play, very slow, methodical, but they execute so well on both ends of the floor. I I didn't think Auburn would come back. And uh, not only did they come back, but a 14-0 run to take the lead and seemingly uh, be on their way to, to play for the championship on Monday night. Uh, but I thought both teams played uh, high-level basketball 
and Auburn's ability to make shots late, uh, to, to go on the run that they did, very impressive. And uh, as just about every Virginia game has been here in the postseason, uh, dramatic comes down to the end. Uh, they, they're able to, to uh, snatch, snatch victory uh, from the jaws of defeat. Uh, once again, they did it in the Elite Eight. Uh, they did it Saturday against Auburn and, and on Monday night in the national championship game. But uh, what a performance by both teams. Just a lot of fun to watch. If you love college basketball, you had to enjoy that game. And, Brian, uh, talk about Kyle Guy and what you see in him. I was able to see him in person this year for the first time uh, to see him in person, but I've seen him on multiple games since then on TV. He's an elite point guard. Um, He plays scrappy. He plays hard defense, and he can also just shoot the lights out, and he leads this Virginia team with so much passion, um, and he was able to lead them to the championship this year, obviously being named the MVP last night uh, of the tournament. What do you see in Kyle Guy, and what makes him so special and able to lead this Virginia team? Well, I've been a huge fan of Kyle Guy over the course of his career. Love the way he plays and the way he carries himself. Uh, just epitomizes what Virginia is all about. I think he and Ty Jerome, uh, their backcourt, they do a great job of uh, defending, taking care of the ball, playing smart. Uh, Guy's ability to rise up and knock down huge shots uh, is why Virginia is is who they are. It's why they were a number one seed. Uh, once again, it's why they were able to bounce back uh, and come back this year and do what they did. Uh, but just a, a fun player to watch and to see a guy on that stage with the pressure that he had on him uh, to go to the line and knock three free throws down, needed every one of them to win the game with point six on the clock. I, I don't know that there's a lot of guys that can do that uh, with, with what was on the line. Um, you're, you're talking about a guy who's a veteran. Uh, in, in that situation, it, it's all or nothing. I mean, to to do that after he hit the, the off-balance three in the corner uh, that was well defended, six points in seven seconds by himself, what a performance. But those free throws uh, will go down as one of the most clutch uh, situations in the history of the NCAA tournament. Uh, to, to go up and step to the line, basically all by yourself, game on the line, three free throws, nothing but the bottom of the, of the net, and all three, just incredibly impressive. He was so impressive, and it was that game that really made him kind of stand out, but he's been good all season long, uh, and he's been fun to watch. My younger brother is up there and has seen just about every Virginia game and uh, has really been singing his praises, um, and it was really they, they came to fruition in this tournament. Uh, Cole Kublik said yesterday on three-man front that Kyle Guy is the second player in the NCAA tournament history to score six points in the last ten seconds of the game. And, Brian, when you look at the whole scenario of, of – Auburn versus Virginia and how that last really, you know, couple of minutes and especially those last 10 seconds played out. Um, you know, Auburn Auburn was down 10. They came back. They took the lead. And Kyle Guy was able to score those six points in 10 seconds. That corner three, as you mentioned, was a next to impossible shot. And he's made shots like that all season that just make your jaw drop to the floor. And then, of course, those three clutch free throws. But let's talk about the situation, how Auburn kind of got themselves in the situation. You know, they, they – defeated all those great teams in the tournament and have these big wins over Blue Bloods to get to the Final Four. But 
I've been saying this. I'm going to put my crimson hat on for a second. You know, if the New Mexico State guy hits those free throws in the first round, Auburn's not even in that situation. And so they had a really uh, phenomenal tournament run, But and a lot of their fans are saying they should have been in the championship because that call on uh, – that no call, I should say, on Jerome. But if they don't – you know, if the New Mexico State guy hits his free throws, Auburn doesn't escape the first round. To, to advance in the NCAA tournament, to get to the Final Four, to win a national championship – You've heard it for years, and it's true. You got to be really good. You got to be playing at a high level, but you also have to have some luck on your side. Uh, and both of those teams, Auburn and Virginia, they were really good playing at a high level. Both a little bit of luck on their side uh, in certain situations. Yeah, it's really amazing to think about that Auburn, in almost the exact same situation in the first round, uh, could have been one and done in the NCAA tournament. Uh, had a, a really good free throw shooter step to the line and done what Kyle Guy was able to do. Didn't hear much about it from a, a controversy standpoint because he only the New Mexico State player only made one out of three free throws and Auburn ultimately survived and advanced. And uh, that is exactly what both of these teams ha- ha- has been able to do. Uh, but what an emotional roller coaster that both of those teams went through in the final five minutes. Up ten. Virginia had to think that game was over. I mean, I, I thought the game was over. I Virginia did, too, and with the way they play their defense, too. Yeah, the, their style of play, who they are as a team, their identity. Uh, a 10-point lead for Virginia is like a, a, a 16, 18, 20-point lead for most teams. So you thought that game was over. And then Auburn goes up four with 12, 10, 12 seconds to play. And you feel like Auburn's won the game. They're going to play on Monday night for the national championship uh, until they weren't. And so what an an incredible swing of emotions for both teams, for both fan bases. Uh, But that's what makes March Madness so incredible. Uh, But ultimately, Virginia was able to do it. I know Auburn fans are happy uh, with some of the calls and and the the no call and the double dribble. Uh, but you can play that game all day long. Was there a foul before the double dribble? It looked like it. There, there was no call. Was there a double dribble? Yes. You go down uh, the line and, and say, well, if you don't have this call or that call, uh, the outcome of the game would have been different. Uh, but that's the nature of college basketball. It's the nature of the NCAA tournament. It's just not – I guess the one thing that's not – as common is for it to happen on this biggest stage with everybody watching with uh with the game hanging in the balance and there's been a lot of that in this ncaa tournament especially once we got to the sweet 16 elite eight and final four these games are so competitive uh every bounce of the ball every blow of the whistle so critical to the outcomes of all these games yeah every everything's critical and as you mentioned but also, you know, like you said, down the stretch, there were plenty of no calls and, and controversial calls that that happened throughout the course of the tournament that led to one team advancing or another. And so while we hear a lot about it because, you know, we're here in the state of Alabama and we hear Auburn fans and we see them on Twitter and stuff like that, um, it's, it's happening everywhere. And it's been happening the last couple weekends with fans from all over the country uh, disappointed in, in critical calls or critical no calls. Um, and it just happened to be, Auburn, who's in our state and, you know, and interacting uh, with us online and stuff. And it happened in the biggest stage of the Final Four. But ultimately, Virginia got the win, and they uh, they went on to face Texas Tech. Did you watch much of that Texas Tech-Michigan State game? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't. I really didn't have a dog in the fight. 
Uh, and so that second semifinal game kind of didn't really live up to the hype. Well, you know, it, it was interesting. After the, the Auburn game and Auburn-Virginia game, uh, there was so much talk uh, from text messages to Twitter to, to videos of the, the we thought we won videos that were out there. Uh, the, it kept me a little distracted from that Texas Tech-Michigan uh, State game, which was a really good game. I was watching it. I didn't play it, pay nearly as close attention to it as I did the Auburn-Virginia game. Uh, but what Texas Tech has been able to do, you're talking about one of the worst high major Power Five programs historically in the country. You know, a team out of the Big 12 that has been really good uh, the last couple of years. Uh, but before that, just pockets of success uh, for Texas Tech. They they had some success under Bob Knight. But when you think of Texas Tech basketball historically, you don't expect to see them in a Final Four. I guess you know you say similar things can be said about Auburn. But all that stuff doesn't matter now. If you get really good players and coaches, which all four of these schools have, uh, you can make a run in the Final Four and potentially win a national championship. And uh, Texas Tech was able to beat a team that I think a lot of people expected to be playing on Monday night, and that was Tom Izzo in the Michigan State uh, Spartans. They're, they're such a, a solid team, similar to Virginia in a lot of ways, just uh, toughness and execution, a, a lot of fun to watch. But Texas Tech showed that they were worthy and was able to advance to play Virginia. Yeah, three of those Final Four teams were really gritty, you know, kind of old-school fashion basketball. And then you had Auburn, which is the flashy, the three-pointer. Um, and so when it came down to it, and, and Virginia beat it, Virginia defeated, excuse me, uh, Auburn, you knew it was going to be a gritty national championship, and that's what it was. Uh, that Michigan State-Texas Tech game was gritty, but Chris Beard showed what, showed what he's able to do, being a successful coach and leading his guys to a championship um, as, as that three seed. But it was, it was last night was such a gritty game going into overtime and it was it was like good old fashioned basketball you know as as a lot of people um and and generations older than mine really i feel like really appreciated the game because it was it was hard nosed hard fought basketball that ended up being one of the not one of the greatest championships but one you know a championship that'll certainly go down in history because of the style of play yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was high-level basketball, and it exceeded my expectations. Um, I, I love the way both Texas Tech and Virginia play. Um, they play tough. They play hard. There's an emphasis on the defensive end. But because of that, even though their pace of play isn't what uh, some schools are, uh, they're still high level on both ends of the floor. They execute so well on the offensive end. They just play a little slower, but uh, they have very skilled players that execute their system, uh, and it was a lot of fun to watch. It, it was, uh, I thought, uh, offensively, the game was played at a higher level than I anticipated, and it wasn't that I didn't think these schools had really good offensive players. Uh, they, they absolutely do. They've got future pros on both sides. But because of the way Texas Tech uh, defends, the way Virginia defends, I didn't think there would be that many opportunities to get good looks against two of the best defenses in the country. And there weren't a ton of good looks out there, but the ones that they got and even some of the more difficult shots, guys were rising up, knocking down difficult shots. Uh, just so much fun to watch and uh, w- was not having a, a dog in the fight, although 
you know, I, I was I was rooting for Virginia. I guess I, I wouldn't have been devastated had they lost, but I just wanted to see a high level basketball game, uh, and that's exactly what we got. And I agree with you. I thought it was one of the better played uh, national title games uh, that we've seen over the course of the years. We've had we've had some really good ones lately. Uh, starting to get spoiled with some of these high level national championship games, but last night absolutely did not disappoint in any way. And so Virginia wins its first national championship in school history. Uh, I saw some some videos, some Snapchats, and pictures uh, all over social media, really, from, I guess they call it the grounds up there at UVA. But uh, it looked like they were having a good time last night. And I texted my brother and said, congrats on the national championship. You can now join the club of uh, celebrating a national championship while you're in college. But one thing... As you mentioned earlier, that stood out to me on a last note about Virginia was their um, their ability to come back late in the game. I found a stat on Twitter today that said in the Elite Eight, Virginia was down um, 67-70 to 70 against Purdue with five seconds left in the game. They won that one, obviously. They defeated Auburn when they were down four with 17 seconds left in the game. And then last night, down three versus Texas Tech with 12 seconds left. They were able to find a way and get a win. Brian, I have one more question regarding the final four for you as we're talking with Brian Passink here on the Galloway podcast. Brian is the color analyst for Alabama men's basketball on the radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Passink. Have you ever been to the final four and what are your thoughts on uh, the possibility of downsizing the final four venue? Well, I have, I've been to um, not several, but I've been to a handful of final fours over the course of, uh, the last, gosh, since, since college, so uh, last 25 years. Um, and, you know, I, actually, I was at the last Final Four. I asked you a trivia question. You, you, you probably, I don't think you were alive, but um, the last uh, Final Four to be in a basketball arena, do you know when that was? Because I was there. Was it 95? Taking Very a wild guess. You were a year away, 96. It was okay. in the Meadowlands in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. And it was Kentucky beating Syracuse for the national championship. Uh, and I was at that game. That was the last time it was played in a basketball arena. And it was incredible. Uh, but because of how big this event has gotten, uh, I think it needs to be played in a dome. Uh, I love basketball in a basketball arena. And I've kind of flipped positions on this, but when you go to a Final Four, uh, you have the coaches convention, you have four fan bases that all want to be there, and if you don't open it up to a a 60,000, 70,000-seat arena, there are so many people that don't have an opportunity to be there. So you give up a little in terms of atmosphere. Fans are so far away from it. Uh, You know, I've been to the Georgia Dome a couple of times and uh, had some nosebleed seats, and you could see specks out on there in the court. But I brought binoculars, and and I was there, and it was great uh, to to be in a Final Four. So uh, I I don't – I won't say this. I don't like it uh, in a football stadium, in a dome, but I think it it gives so many more fans an opportunity to go to what, in a lot of cases, are once-in-a-lifetime uh, events and opportunities for certain fan bases. So uh, for that, I think you should keep it in domes. Yeah, to, to me, you make so much money off getting those tickets. I think I looked at it last weekend uh, and right after the Elite Eight games, and I think tickets were $400 or something like that for these you know, nosebleeds, like you were saying, where you see specs. 
and you're watching the big screen the whole time, but it's all about the experience, and the NCAA can make all this money, and that's what they're all about at the end of the day, so I don't really see it changing. Uh, plus, it's such a big fan event, and you want to get as many people as possible to make as much money as possible. On the topic of college basketball, moving on uh, a little bit towards Alabama and kind of gearing things uh, in our general direction, Alabama, as we briefly mentioned on episode 11, but we're going to kind of dive in now here uh, with the hiring of Nate Oates. Alabama hired Nate Oates going, um, I think tomorrow it'll be two weeks ago from, uh, from tomorrow, hired Nate Oates as his next men's basketball coach. He has already done great things for the program and retaining Kyra Lewis and John Petty from the transfer portal. He's brought on some great assistant coaches, uh, and he's even got a commitment from Raymond Hawkins, the center from 6'9", 225 center from Finley Prep uh, in California. Brian, when you heard that Nate Oates was going to be the next um, man in charge for the Crimson Tide men's basketball team, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I was excited. I've had a chance to watch Buffalo play over the last couple of years just because they're so fun to watch and they've had success in the NCAA tournament. And late this year when it looked like there was going to be a coaching change, I paid attention to Buffalo in the tournament and thought he would be someone that would definitely be on Greg Burns' radar. And he was, and I was excited to hear the news since then. Uh, I've gotten even more excited about it. The more that I've read, the more that I've listened to podcasts, YouTube videos, just really digging deep into what has made Nate Oates uh, one of the top young coaches in college basketball. It's got me really excited about who our leader is for this program. And since he's been in Tuscaloosa in just a couple short weeks, uh, he's done an incredible job with re-recruiting uh, the team, getting some guys uh, to take their names out of the transfer portal, guys that uh, are vital to the success of Alabama, and, and it, whether it's next year or in, in recent or coming up years, very important to have those guys back. His staff that that he's uh, been able to hire and, and retain uh, at least one from the current staff uh, it looks really good. Uh, recruiting, you mentioned a player uh, that he signed, and 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 he's gotten commitments from all the the other signees uh who you know during coaching change those guys a lot of times will will leave and look elsewhere and get out of their letter of intent and all of those guys uh have reaffirmed their commitment and and i and i i think when you look at the reason why natos was brought to tuscaloosa uh, there are a lot of reasons in, in player development and recruiting and uh entertaining style of play but from a player's perspective and when you, you look at John Petty and Kyra Lewis, who uh, are now officially coming back next year, and, and the, the recruits that, that have reaffirmed their commitment, the thing that, that you love about Nate Oates is basketball players, high-level players, want to play this style. Uh, they see what he's done uh, at Buffalo, that, that they were first in the country uh, in fast break points, third in offensive tempo. And it's not something uh, that you're hearing that that Alabama wants to play fast. Now, we, we hear that uh, all over the country. Every coach in the country talks about wanting to play fast because that's how recruits want to play. That's how players want to play. But Nate Oates brings a resume with that is his style. That is who he is. It's his staple, coach. yeah. It's, it's the way – that Alabama is going to play moving forward. Now, how quickly the, the guys adjust to that, we'll see. 
uh, because it's radically different than not only Alabama has played in recent years. It's, it's radically different than most teams play across the country. Uh, but it, it's, it's very exciting for fans. But I think more importantly for the players who are going to be playing that system, uh, there's a renewed enthusiasm around this program, and it's because of the hiring of Nate Oates. And I think I think they're really excited. The players are excited. The fans are excited. Um, a lot of people, when, Al- when Craig Byrne announced that Alabama would be hiring Nate Oates, they said, Okay, that's our next coach, and I want to know a little bit more about him. You know, kind of like a who moment. But once you do, like you said, like you did your podcast, um, you know, listenings and, and reading on articles, and I did the same, and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, this is a home run hire by Greg Byrne because he is going to be fantastic for the program. And like you said, the most important part that stands out to me is is not that he says, oh, we're going to play fast. He has that, you know, number one in efficiency to back him up. Uh, and, and, and no one, this is kind of funny to me, but no one says, oh, I'm going to be Tony Bennett and I'm going to compete with him for being last in the shot clock. You know, he only, it, it's two different styles and they recruit different types of players. Um, but it is, he is going to play fast and he's, he's going to hold true to his, his recruits and, and, um, and his message to them and saying, yeah, we're going to play fast because he has that resume. And so I'm excited to see this style of play come to Coleman Coliseum. Alabama's got uh, – Schedule hasn't been released for next year, but he gave a couple comments, Brian, about the uh, the scheduling and that he, he wants to play tough teams and he doesn't want to you know buy wins and uh, have some tough games. Alabama's done a great job of scheduling in the past, but what do you expect to see uh, from the level of competition that Alabama plays in non-conference in the upcoming season? Well, I think it's going to be really high level, and you know what is already in place. Uh, is is going to be brutal in terms of the level of competition, and and you know that's a that's either a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because these guys and these coaches they want to be challenged, and I think it's important to do that uh, going into what will be another very difficult SEC. Uh, so you you look at initially at the tournament uh, in the Bahamas, the battle for Atlantis, which is always one of the better tournaments. Uh, in the country, and that'll be the case this year with North Carolina and I think uh, Gonzaga and, and Oregon, Iowa State, um, you know, high-level teams. I think six out of the eight teams that are going to be in the Bahamas in November played in the NCAA tournament, and the other couple um, were right there in, in schools like Alabama. So I think Purdue's in that tournament, so, who was just in the Elite Eight. So uh, that that's going to be very difficult, but uh, it'll be fun to see how Alabama, right out of the gate, adjusts to this new style of play. Uh, but it, it will help you from a focus standpoint. When you know uh, you come right out of the gate, you're not playing uh, some lower-level schools that are in the, the 250s and 300s in terms of, of net rating or the former RPI rating. Uh, you're playing national championship caliber schools. Uh, that helps you in the offseason. It helps you focus on the off-season workouts when it's a hundred feels like it's 120 degrees in Tuscaloosa and humid and you're out <laughs> exactly. on the track running up until October. Yeah, you're lifting weights, so that'll be good for these guys from a motivational standpoint. But we're going to know early uh, how Alabama is adjusting to this new system. But as a competitor, you love that, and that's one thing that Nate Oates has made clear that he's not going to shy away from from anybody from a non-conference standpoint. So uh, should be a lot of fun to follow this team before it even gets 
uh, to the SEC season. Yeah, so often Alabama basketball fans, as we talk to Brian Passink here on the Galloway Podcast, Alabama basketball um, color analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, and you follow him on Twitter at Brian Passink, P-A-S-S-I-N-K. Brian, so many... So often, uh, Alabama fans will watch their football. They'll be passionate about their football from August, really year-round, but you know, give their main focus from August until January, whenever the playoffs end or the, whatever you know, postseason game Alabama's playing in, and then they'll turn their attention to basketball. But I think with Coach Oates now at Alabama and the style he's going to play with and the level of competition that they're going to play with, Alabama athletics fans will be dividing their attention between football and basketball once you know November, October comes because it's going to be, all right, we have this new coach, we have this new era, let's see what this is all about. And so instead of going from you know football mode for, for five, six months until January, there's going to be a pause and people are going to say, all right, we got to give our attention to Alabama basketball because so often it just picks up right after football season. But there's going to be a um, – a lot of attention given to the program early on in the season this year. Yeah, there is. And I tell you what, the, the fans, and especially the students, Crimson Chaos and Alabama students have been unbelievable the last few years supporting this basketball program through some ups and downs. You know, it hasn't uh, been the easiest thing in the world to, to handle what has been a roller coaster ride the last few years with this basketball program, but. Uh, the Alabama fans and students have been incredible, really as good as I've ever seen the support uh, to, for these guys to have the support, especially uh, when you know things aren't going the way you'd like. I mean, th- these guys, these players, uh, th- they wanted to have a better season than they had this year, and it was a disappointment um, for the fans, for the students, but uh, for these players. But to see the, the students continue to support this team uh, through thick and thin has, has been awesome. And I think with the renewed excitement around the Nate Oates era, I, I think it's going to go even up to a higher level, which is so much fun to see. When you go into Coleman Coliseum and the student section is packed and you feel that buzz, which is always generated from the student section, it just makes it a, a special atmosphere, gives these guys extra energy and, and, and makes uh, college basketball special and, and it's uh, it's you know something that I obviously love but I, I think that with that with with the new coaching regime the style of play uh, the recruits that are coming in um, the expectations I think uh, you know will be will continue to grow as, as Nate Oates uh, recruits his style of players and incorporates what he has has some guys that can play this style uh, but I think the, the excitement level around Alabama basketball and the students is going to be huge. And I think it's going to start um, while football season is still going on because, you know, you can you can love Alabama football and you can follow every football game and go to every football game and still support basketball in the month of November and December and, and hopefully early January. I love that Alabama football uh, consistently plays um, you know, in, in early January in the college football playoff right, in the national right. championship game. Uh, but I've seen sellouts at Coleman Coliseum um, in early January, just a couple days before the national championship game in football. So that shows you that you can do both. You can be a, a great um, fan of both sports or multiple sports, not just football. So many great sports on campus. So I think that'll be the case for Alabama basketball uh, next fall as well. 
So, Brian, I've got a couple Twitter questions. Uh, asked yesterday if there are any questions that uh, some of our Twitter followers had for um, for you and for me on this podcast on episode 12 of the Galloway Podcast. So Bo Johnson asked, who will win the series between Alabama and Auburn next season, and will any Auburn players go to the draft um, regarding college basketball and that Auburn team? What are your thoughts? Well, it's a good question Question as far as who's going to go pro. And now is the time where you know, I saw where Joe Lenardi's uh, first bracketology came out last night. Uh, you know, maybe a little too early, but it's always fun to talk <laughs> a, about. A wee bit early. May, maybe, maybe. I think Alabama, hey, Alabama, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think was one of the first couple teams out, maybe. First four out of, of Lenardi's bracket. But yeah. right there on the cusp. But here's the good news. We still have time to make, it, make up for it. I think there's still time. Uh, to, to win games and make the NCAA tournament. We, we, uh, might, we might have a small window where we can sneak we, in. We'll see. Yeah. It, it, we, I think <laughs> we, we, still, we, we still control our own destiny. How about that? Uh, but, <laughs> Plenty of time. Uh, no, it, it's, but it's impossible to know who's going to be what because yeah. of guys transferring, who's going to go pro, who's going to put their name in the draft. Who's even, who wants to go pro and play overseas that may not even be on the radar? Because you can go now, you can go overseas and make a lot of money. Um, So when you look at at all these schools and Auburn included, who's going to be back next year is a great question uh, that we don't know the answer to. They have a lot of guys. When you go to the Final Four and you have the type of season that Auburn has, you got a a bunch of guys that are potential NBA players and potential uh, professional basketball players. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jared Harper. I think he's one of the most underrated guards in the country um i think he's an nba player with his ability to to shoot the three score around the basket even though he's small uh he's got length he's got i don't know what his wingspan is but uh he's he's a really good player and if he asked me i would highly recommend that he goes to the nba because i'm sick of playing against him because he's (laughs) he's so good yeah Uh, but, but he's a guy that'll be interesting to see what what kind of decision he makes uh, Chumo Kiki is is a player that I, I think has an NBA future. Now, does that knee injury um, bring him back to college? Uh, we don't know the answer to that, but Austin Wiley is another guy that I think has a future at the NBA level. Uh, so that'll impact um, all, all these schools, but Auburn specifically for next year. How does the series uh, look for Alabama and Auburn? Um, it's a it's a good question. I, I I don't even know how to answer it because I don't know what these rosters are going to look exactly. like. Exactly, it's not this, even finalized. It, it, they're not finalized. Neither of them are. But I tell you this, I feel a heck of a lot better about that series now with Kyra Lewis and John Petty coming back and Absolutely. all these recruits coming in and what I'm hearing about all season workouts than I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but the thing that's that's fun about where basketball is in the state right now, even though Alabama did make the NCAA tournament, it was a disappointing season. Uh, I think there is an excitement level around this program and what Alabama basketball can be. Obviously, Bruce Pearl and Auburn, they're doing a great job, uh, but it's going to make this basketball rivalry uh, ramp up to even a higher level. So next year when Alabama and Auburn get together, it's going to be a lot of fun. uh, packed houses sellouts at Auburn in Tuscaloosa Uh, so hopefully uh, Alabama uh, could get a couple one uh, two out of three last year uh, lost a couple this year to Auburn so hopefully next year is Alabama's year 
Yeah, I think Alabama, you know, when it comes to Auburn players going to the draft, I think you might see, uh, I'd be surprised if you didn't see Harper. Um, and like you said, I'd love to see he and Brown and Okiki and Wiley go, just just for our own sake as Alabama fans. But uh, I, I think I think Harper definitely could could make some, some noise in the NBA. He's a talented player. He can, can shoot the ball. He's a great point guard. Um, and next year, as far as the series goes, I'm not sure. But I would hope that and it might not be able to happen next year but in the future we could get some type of Alabama versus Auburn game uh in Birmingham or Montgomery or some venue where we could get uh a lot of Alabama and Auburn basketball fans from around the state and get these two teams to play head-to-head in a neutral location I think that'd be really fun I think it'd be great for the fans uh and also good for both teams but that is just something that came to my head that I wanted to put out there uh the second of three questions, do you see any more Alabama players entering the transfer portal? I don't. What about you, Brian? I don't, but I don't know. And, and I know that we're in a time in college basketball where that's the norm, uh, that a lot of players this time of year uh, put their name in the transfer portal, portal and explore their options. And it's always happened. There's a lot of guys that want to that consider transferring, that reach out to other schools and but now it's, it's made public with the transfer portal. So we hear about it now. And really, that's the biggest difference. But I don't know uh, the answer to that. I hope not. I hope all these guys uh, have, um, have seen through some offseason workouts and some uh, team workouts the style of play that Alabama is going to play and want to be a part of it. But then on the flip side, uh, it's good that they've been exposed to it. And if this is not uh, the, the type of work they want to put in and the type of team that they want to be on and that pace of play that doesn't fit their style. Now's the time uh, to explore your options. So if, if they're, if you're not fully bought in, whether you're at Alabama, whether you're at any school across the country, if you don't think you want to be there, then I don't have a problem with guys uh, transferring or exploring that option. You only have one chance to play college basketball and you, and you want it to be a great experience. So I understand that. I agree. Now, you were a former Alabama basketball player. I'm not, so <laughs> going to trust you there on that one. Uh, and then our third and final Twitter question says, what are realistic expectations for Alabama next season? I will say I, you know, there's again, there's a lot still up in the air right now regarding who's going to be here and what's going on in college basketball. Just ended last night um, for this past season. But I would, I would expect and hope that Alabama is able to eclipse the 20-win mark in the regular season uh, and then make some noise in the postseason, make a good run in the SEC tournament, and hopefully make some noise uh, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that's realistic for the guys that are coming back. And, um, you know, this roster may be finalized. It may not be. I know that Nate Oates has talked about having an extra scholarship open and trying to recruit a really good player that doesn't live too far from Tuscaloosa. Uh, and, and if you can add another high-level player, uh, I think this team uh, will not only have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament, uh, but to make some serious noise in it. I think one question that nobody really knows the answer to right now is how quickly will this team adjust to playing such a different style than any of these guys are used to. Now, they want to play it. They're, they're going to be working towards playing that style. I think there's some guys that really fit what Nate Oates wants to do, and some guys that are going to have to adjust to it. How quickly the current roster makes that adjustment, I, I think, will be um, very important to how good this team can be and how far 
they can go in the postseason. Yeah, it's going to be a really great season of college basketball next year. It's great that we're talking about it even after the season is over, previewing next season. We're going to be able to talk about it year-round now because the state of college basketball, especially within the confines of the state boundaries of Alabama, is growing in popularity, and that's very exciting. Brian, that's just about all I've got. Um, thank you so much for all your insight and all uh, sharing your knowledge and uh, really excited about the future of Alabama basketball. And uh, it was also great to catch up with you and and talk about the final four in Alabama basketball. Well, I really appreciate you having me on and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. So once again, a big thank you to Brian Passink for sharing and really just kind of filling us in on his thoughts because it's going to be a while until we hear uh, Brian and Chris Stewart hit the airwaves um, in November for Alabama basketball. That is a long way off. But for now, there's plenty to go on in the world of sports. Let's catch you up on what's been going on here in Tuscaloosa and around the country. Uh Recently, this past weekend, Arkansas hired Eric Musselman from Nevada as its new men's basketball head coach. That's a great pickup for Arkansas. It makes the SEC even more competitive. And so uh, the SEC welcomes another elite coach as Eric Musselman now heads to Arkansas to lead the Razorbacks men's basketball team. Also in the SEC men's basketball realm, uh, Tennessee has retained Rick Barnes after UCLA offered Coach Barnes a lucrative $5 million contract. Uh, He turned that down and will return to Rocky Top next season. That is the SEC men's basketball update, uh, bringing things back locally here in Birmingham at the high school level. Mountain Brook finished in uh, number five, ranked number five in the country by the USA Today polls. They finished behind IMG, La Lumiere, McEachern from Georgia, and Montverde. IMG won the IMG Academy won the Geico Nationals this past weekend. Uh, they finished the season with one loss, and that one loss was to the Mountain Brook Spartans. And so Mountain Brook finishing top five in the country, an unprecedented uh, thing for the program uh, and for the school as well to finish top five in the country. So congratulations to Coach Bucky McMillan. Uh, he will be back in Mountain Brook next year as the head coach. And so what a great year he had uh, gaining national attention. I would expect him to get lots of uh, Coach of the Year awards, not only in this state and in Birmingham, uh, but around the country as well. So congratulations to my alma mater and Coach Bucky McMillan. Uh, here in Tuscaloosa, it was announced today that the Alabama football team will have a home-and-home home with the Oklahoma Sooners in 2032 and 2033. That first game in 2032 will be in Norman, Oklahoma, and then they'll come back to Tuscaloosa. That's right. You heard that right. Alabama football has another uh, big-time two-year deal with uh, Oklahoma and and which is going to be great for the program going there and then coming back. It's going to be great for those kids. Uh, Honestly, I can't wait for my kids to enjoy that game because 2032 seems like a long way away. But that was announced today. Of course, Alabama's got home and homes in the future with teams like Texas, uh, Notre Dame, and now Oklahoma. And so I think if this is correct, uh, out of the next 16 years, Alabama has 12 of their first games lined up 16 years from now. I don't want to think how old I'll be. Uh, not that old, but still, it'll be. That's that's a long time. Like, interesting to think about that. Uh, but Alabama football has a home and home with Oklahoma, so that's big news. Uh, 
staying on the on the football field. Alabama A Day is coming up this weekend in Bryant Denny Stadium. That game is uh, at one o'clock here in Tuscaloosa on ESPN two. It's free for all for all Alabama fans. That is the Golden Flake annual A Day spring game for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Get your look first look at the 2019 team as they look to avenge their national championship loss against Clemson. Headed out to the Diamond, Alabama baseball picked up its first conference series win this past weekend over South Carolina at home. They uh, swept a doubleheader Friday afternoon, picking up two wins and a series win and lost on Saturday afternoon. The team will play tonight at Samford, and then uh, the baseball team will travel to Starkville this weekend to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Away from the baseball diamond and onto the softball diamond, Alabama softball will host Georgia State tomorrow. That's Wednesday night. Uh, I believe that's at 6 p.m. And then the softball team will host Georgia this weekend. They had a they dropped their first series this past weekend at South Carolina. A tough spell there, but they look to bounce back, and they've responded well to losses. The few losses that they've had, they res- responded well all season, so look for a big performance from Coach Patrick Murphy and the Alabama softball team tomorrow night versus Georgia State, and then this weekend uh, at home in Rhodes Stadium against the Georgia Bulldogs. So that really does it for Episode 12 of the Galloway Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and taking time out of your day to uh, to hear what Brian has to say and to hear what I had to say and kind of an update from what's going on in the world of sports. And specifically, thank you to Brian Passink for giving his insight on the Final Four and the future of Alabama basketball. We're very excited. Uh, folks, basketball season's not going anywhere. The NBA playoffs are coming up around the corner, and we'll talk about that on a future episode. But for now, uh, please tweet me with any questions you have at WM underscore Galloway, and I'll be happy to answer those. Um, and look out for future podcasts. We're going to come out with a Masters podcast actually later this week, and so be on the lookout for that. The Masters is going on. But for now, that does it for Episode 12 of the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. I'm William Galloway. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.